0: I didn't come to beat people up. I came to build people up. My prayer, Solomon's prayer was for wisdom. My prayer to God is God, always keep me humble. Because Satan would never tell you to be humble. And as long as I stay humble and remember what it felt like when I was a drug addict, remember what it felt like when I was a criminal, remember what it felt like when I was lost, then I don't have time to be judging people.
1: I'm too busy trying to be an example to lead people. Welcome to Mid South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today we have none other than Andre Guy Reed, a friend of mine that haven't seen. How many years has it been, Andre? Ten
0: or eleven, my friend. Has
1: it been that long? Ten or eleven years.
0: I can't believe that. I couldn't believe when you called. It it brought back so many memories. It just (laughs) flooded in my spirit. And I was thinking about you about a month before that. And I didn't follow through and call. And
1: show you how God works, man. Well, I was looking through the archives of Mid-South Viewpoint. Needed a show. I came across the interview that we did where you shared your story. I thought, let's air this one. Gave you a call just to make sure you were still breathing. Still breathing. Still pastoring. Still pastoring. Everything was happening. Yeah. But I said, why don't we catch up and learn about what is going on in the life of Andre Guy Reed through the years. You're pastoring the Revelation Christian Center. Still on
0: Boxwood. Uh, I've done a few things since last time we uh, did the interview. I caught the midlife crisis. I uh, went back to school and got my undergraduate degree in law and I've been on the board of directors for the Raleigh Fraser Mental Health Center, and God is doing a lot of things over there in that urban ministry on Boxwood. That's beautiful. It is. God's good. I mean, he he come from the life that I came from. You know, Byron, when God first planted me on Boxwood Street, that's the street where I did most of my crime. That's the street where I did most of my drugs. That's the street where I had most of my setbacks in life. And I kind of thought God was kind of cruel. But now as the years have gone by and I see the lives are being transformed and the people that are, are, are committed to living life based on what the Bible says. And I've had two opportunities where some large ministries offered me an opportunity. One was in Lebanon, Tennessee. Uh, it was a nice salary and a much larger ministry. And I prayed about it. But God said that, yeah, you get the money, Andre, but you'll lose your anointing. And I have a rare opportunity that God has given me to help build up the place that I helped tear up. I wouldn't trade it for the world. When for the world, those people need me, those people want me, those people love me, and I love them in return.
1: Andre, one of the things we talked about last time was a desire you had to buy up some properties there, mm-hmm. do some renovation, mm-hmm. to flip those, turn them over, and make some decent living. Did any of that come to pass? It did. I bought
0: three properties uh I mean, being fresh into it, I did not realize, though, when you buy the properties, especially being a church, you want to buy some that uh, need minimal work. But I brought the ones that needed all the electricity, all the plumbing. and just had to start back over. So I did end up uh, uh, selling them to people for what we paid for. it. And those houses have been renovated. I'm on my new mission now where I'm going to buy three or four lots. And I actually saw somebody that already bought one that I was looking at. I want to do some community gardens now. What I'm finding in that neighborhood with all the the crime and the poverty that goes on in that neighborhood, nobody bothers those community gardens. That little piece of beauty and health, it encourages them. And so I said, okay, well instead of the housing, let me look at seeing I bring some peace and tranquility to this neighborhood. Cause Baron, I'm tell you something that I found with my outreach ministry. People that are living like that, the majority of the time it's not that they don't know the word, they just don't live the word. And when you go out there and they ask you questions, question, 75% of the time, they already know the answer. They want to see, do you know the answer? And I've trained myself and the congregation to use the most powerful three words I know when you're out ministering. I don't know. When I don't people, know. I don't know. When people ask you a certain question and you don't know, say, I don't know. But let's sit down and take a time and go look at the Word of God. When you take that little bit of time yeah. to sit down and look at the Word of God, sometimes people ask you that question because they're trying to trick you or they're being smart-alecky. Sometimes people really want to know. And when you take that time to really get with people and look at the word of God, you may forget them, but they never forget you. Even when people join the ministry, one of the first things we do is we take 90 days where I have them start in Matthew chapter 1. It is mandatory at Revelation Christian Center. If you're going to be part of this ministry, you have to read the Bible for yourself. And in that 90-day period, if they have a question about it, then, you know, they call me and we'll, we'll talk about it. And once I get them into the, the habit of reading it, and the Bible gets good to them, then we let them take that track. But Too many people are going to church, and they depend on what the pastor tells them from the Bible, but they don't really know themselves. And I tell them when they join that ministry, don't allow me to preach anything from this pulpit that you don't agree with or you don't understand without making me sit down and show you this is what the word of God says. Because what God has put me there is not for them to just be Christians when we come to church on Sunday. Sometimes you got to minister to the people and they can't make it to Bible study. They can't make it to church. They need to hear a word from the Lord. They need to hear it from you. Yes. So I train soldiers. And it's been a blessing. I got the only church I know of where I got as many, if not more, men than women. Wow, And they're strong men. That's yes, They're strong men of God.
1: Well, you know, Andre, that reminds me of the scripture in Acts. Paul talked about the Bereans. They were a more noble character mm-hmm. because when they heard the word, right. they studied to say, is this true? Yeah. So there's really that personal application. It becomes real to them. It becomes real. It becomes real to them. Yeah.
0: You know, because at the end of the day, when, when I get through preaching the word on Sundays and they face depression or they face a broken marriage or they face wayward children, well, they got to have more than, than what the title of my sermon was last Sunday. they got to have some substance they can go to in the Word of God and apply it to their life. The Bible said the Holy Spirit would bring things back to your remembrance. It can't bring it back to your remembrance if you never put anything
1: in. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word there. Yeah. And, you know, ignorance, Bible literacy. And one of the places, as you mentioned, that we see some of the weakest biblical literacy is within the walls of the church. Yes, it is. You know,
0: there's a big cultural movement that's going on now with uh the thing that they got a lot of racial problems that are going on out there the thing with uh homosexuality and one of the people that came to the church uh, and she said something to me that, that really touched my heart she I, uh, you know i teach you what the bible says is sin and she said pastor guy i can hear that from you and i said why me she said because people have zero tolerance for what they don't do When you preach about sin, when you talk about homosexuality, you talk about fornication, you talk about adultery, you talk about the gamut. And I feel like you're not picking on me. You're trying to help me. And And that did something to me because I didn't come to beat people up, I came to build people up. My prayer, Solomon's prayer was for wisdom. My prayer to God is God always keep me humble because Satan would never tell you to be humble. And as long as I stay humble and remember what it felt like when I was a drug addict, mm-hmm. remember what it felt like when I was a criminal, remember what it felt like when I was lost, then I don't have time to be judging people. I'm too busy trying to be an example to lead
1: people. Oh, Andre, humility.
0: oldest man, it, it oh. works. It, ooh, I love it. It works because I have an aggressive nature just by trait. But whenever I'm humble. That means that I'm always looking to seek, okay, God, how do you want me to handle this? Even when I have to chastise somebody. I train myself in the congregation. When you know you're finna say something to a person that they more than likely don't want to hear, make sure you always start it out with, let me tell you before I start, I love you. What that does, it it alerts the person that you're trying to help them, and it alerts you that you don't want to hurt them. I want to do this in love. Well, she said, "With love and kindness have I won thee. You know, in dealing with the area that I'm dealing with, they've been beat up enough. Needs
1: about to build them up now. What a lesson for us as we live our life in the culture that's so opposite of our values. It, yes, it is. So for us to really engage it, and we have a tendency to build the walls up. Yeah. But that's not what Christ calls us to
0: do. No, we're loving kindness. People think that, that Christianity is, is a religion of hate and, and a religion of, of unwantedness, and it's not what it is at all. We, do we have to change? Yes, that's the purpose of being born again. But the change is something that it's going to make your life better. I mean, for what God has me at right now, 30 years ago, you could never tell me that a man could take something from me and I look to see what I can do to help him. That's power. Yes, that's power. It's not power when you can cut somebody or kill somebody. But when you can love somebody, not because
1: of them, but in
0: spite of them, that's power. That's power.
1: Yeah. Last time we got together, Andre, I remember we were talking, and it might have been the summertime, there was about 125 neighborhood children that you were providing lunches for. There was a lady of your church, she worked overnight, and she would get off at 7 o'clock in the morning. Miss Roslyn. Miss Ros- Roslyn, mm-hmm. and then she would come make those lunches. How's Miss Roslyn doing? Miss Roslyn is doing well, and we still feed the children of the
0: church, but we stopped doing it with that program, and I'll tell you why, Byron. With the summer feeding program, you can only feed children that are 18 years or under. In the neighborhood I'm in, you got a lot of homeless people and a lot of people that are drug addicts and all, and they're hungry. Once you get run out of people that are 18 years or older, you have to throw the food away. You cannot give it to somebody who's hungry. You have to throw it away. And I couldn't be in that neighborhood and look at a hungry person, let them watch me throw that food in the garbage can. So I said, you know, God is a provider. So instead of us getting it from, from the school system or from the county, we did it with our own funds. So we still feed them. matter of fact, we have in the, in the church what we call Joseph's Storehouse. If you come to that church and you're hungry, before we tell you sit down and listen to a prayer, or listen to a sermon, we take you inside the conference room and we feed you. Once we feed you, we give you a week's worth of grocery to take back with you. And then once you leave there, if you have a problem with clothing, we have our own clothing closet back there. I want to see this church to be a one-stop shop where 24 hours a day, seven days a week, somebody's going to be on base. The way they're going to help the hospital never closing. why is the church? Oh, my goodness. How about
1: your family? Oh,
0: my family's doing well. Oh, my God. Uh, I got one, two, three, four, six grandchildren now. Uh, my oldest daughter's married. My youngest daughter, she hasn't given me a grandbaby or husband yet. <laughs> uh, my son is engaged to be married, and he has three children, and they're doing well. My wife, Lisa, we're going to celebrate 26 years of marriage this Friday. I mean, life is just so good. I mean, I have nothing to complain about. God has done more for me. And I deserve and i have ever expected out of life. If he does nothing else for me, the world can know I have lived a very good life. You know, it's funny. I had a uh, a politician and we were talking and I brought up my past and, and they looked at me real strange. And we got through doing my radio show and she asked me, and said, Pastor Guy, you wouldn't lie a little bit, would you? <laughs> I looked at her. What do you mean, man? You know, I think you kind of embellished your past. Man, why would I want to make up that that I'm a drug addict or I was a criminal? That doesn't make sense. She said, the reason I asked, I cannot see you being that man. I'm sitting around you and what I feel from you. I cannot see you being that man. That just showed me how far. Because sometimes I have to remind myself that I lived that life. You know, I've been pastoring now 21 years. And so I was really, truly, really rock solid saved about four years before that. But the days of my crime and drug addiction and all that, I am Andre Guy Reed, and I had to remind myself that that was Andre Guy Reed. So that goes to show you, God will make the rest of your life the best of your life.
1: Yeah. used a word a moment ago, Andre, transformation. Mm-hmm. What's this transformation we're talking about? Intimacy.
0: You have to get an intimate relationship with God where he abides in you and you abide in him. I'm not doing this because the Bible says I have to. I'm doing it because I want to. You know, when we hear the fear of the Lord... So it's not talking about fear like you're afraid of the boogeyman. It's a fear because I have a deep spiritual respect for God to the point that I want to please you, God. You know, uh, about 10 years ago, the church finally got financially sobbing to where I could get a salary. In all these years, I never got a salary. I remember when I first started, I started with zero members, zero building, zero money. And uh, a lot of times me and my wife had to pawn our wedding rings to keep the bills going. Well, about 10 years ago, they got financially sobbing and they said, well, pastor, it's time for you to receive a salary. And I appreciate the gesture, but when I thought about it, when I prayed, I said, you know, I've been riding all this time off faith. Let me keep on riding with their, you know, whatever love offer they want to give. That's fine and dandy. But I want to do this because this is not my job. This is my life. Hmm. You know, for the man that I was for God to see anything in me where well, he could use me to help build his kingdom, how can I charge for that? How do we get to that place? Read <laughs> the word and then try him. Keep in mind, Baron, I came from the background, I denounced Christianity when I was raised in the church by my mom and my dad. And But when I got old enough, 16, 17, on my own, make my own decision, I, I denounced that. And I was a Muslim for a while, and then I did the Buddhism for a while, and then I did the atheism for a while. And every morning I woke up, it was a ritual for me. You know, I, I told God, oh, I hate you, and do something, and curse them out. You're not real anyway. So I read the Bible. Two things, Don't make a fool out of the uh, the preacher that was coming to the prison, and and prove there was no God. I covered number one. I found out a lot of those preachers didn't hadn't even read the Bible. But in the process of reading for myself, I found out the Word of God wasn't a problem. People were teaching it to me wrong. So what I do now is I push people read the Bible for yourself. Then try them on it. If God tells you if you do this, I'm going to do that. Try them on it. God in your words, you said this. I can assure you, you're not going to outgive God, and you're not going to outlove God. It's impossible. <laughs> I tried it. And when you do that, what happens is. It creates a relationship with, you know, early on in the ministry, I did like Moses. I got so frustrated dealing with church people because they were doing stuff. And just as long as things are going good, you know, they on the bandwagon. When you hit a rock and roll, they mumbling and grumbling. And I finally out when I had a Dodge Intrepid, we was on 4th Street. And I said, you know what? I'm sick of this. And I did a donut on the yard and drove off in the street. I told my wife, I quit. I'm not passing no more. I'm not doing nothing. I'm just going to go to church. That's it. And I got home, Byron, and I sat in my backyard and I realized when you have an intimate relationship with God, you can't go back. If I quit pastoring right now, ain't got nowhere to go. I can't just go live a normal life because I know what he's assigned me to do. And so that day when I realized that I didn't have anywhere to go, I dug deep in my spirit. And I looked up to the sky and I said, God, if you try to leave me, I'll stalk you to the ends of the earth. And I felt God smile at me. And he said, that's how I want you to love me, Andre. And oh. so he'd become a part of me to where if I can't have God, I don't want life.
1: Well, that reminds me of Jacob. He wouldn't let go until you bless me. Yeah, I mean, I got to have him. I mean, I have no life without God. Why do we give up so easy? Uh, lack of fear of the Lord and fear uh, of society. Could it be we think we could do it better or maybe we can do it for the easy things, but the tough things will depend on God for? When you get in trouble, you'll go to Him. People have a hard time
0: trusting what they can't see or, or smell or touch. Or hear. With God, you're basically saying, I'm trusting my life presently and eternally to an entity that I can't see, can't really hear him, I can't smell him, can't touch him. I'm going to trust him. And when that emergency situation comes up, that thing called faith, which is for me, forsaking all I trust him. Yes. That thing called faith gets put to a test. And you really find out, do you really, really, really believe in this God? God, without faith, without it's impossible to please God. Well, when the faith trials come... God doesn't do social promotion. When in school, if you're 19 years old and you're in the seventh grade, they just go ahead and graduate you. God will let you fail every test that you want to keep failing. You can be 19 in, in, in the second grade. Yeah, He's going to keep giving you that test till you pass it.
1: Prime example, you know, Israel failed at Kadesh. They didn't pass the test exactly, so they had to start again at Kadesh. And do it again. Yeah, and do it
0: again. Yeah, and do it again. <laughs> and 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 but when you finally get it, when you finally get to that point to where. He passes a few tests, because I'm going to tell you, God's funny God. When you first start in the faith, he shows up quick, fast, in a hurry. to show you, yeah, I'm true to my word, and I cannot lie. But as your faith increases, your evidence decreases. And what happens is, if I get into a situation where it looks like we're headed to a financial storm, or it looks like we're headed to a, a emotional storm, whatever storm we're facing, God doesn't come as quick as he did when I first started, because God feels like, I've already taken you through that before, Andre. Yeah. So
1: you know I can overcome this. Where is your faith? But, you know, there were those when Jesus was on earth in his earthly ministry that actually saw the miracles. They saw him perform these things. Mm -hmm. And yet they still they still had a lack of faith they refused to believe you think you make me think about they turned away from him yeah when they was on the boat and, and they was in the storm
0: you're on the boat with jesus and they're like Man, wake him up we finna die you're on the boat with jesus if you die he die you're on the boat with jesus and and so we we gotta do it and we don't see those things in the flesh but if you look in your spirit we got evidence all around us every day so what's the day-to-day like for you now in the ministry i do my podcast on monday wednesday and friday then uh, we have a a weekly talk show that we do uh, monday through friday from two to three where i forget about the black man i forget about the white man i deal with the human in the area i'm in right now especially with the media they're pushing race 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 and by me coming from a muslim background you know that's one of the things that, that, that i joined islam for was because i wanted to hate the white man and think that the white man was the reason why i was in prison and the white man was the reason why I didn't have anything. The white man wasn't the reason I didn't have. was in prison, Byron. I was in prison because I was a robber. You know, when I let people alone, people stuff alone, the police left me alone. If you read the Bible for yourself, there is no black man or white man. And they don't have race in the Bible. They have nations. So by me, being in that area of I men, I have to dispel that notion. I had to unteach them and then teach them. It's not based on what you look like. It's based on what you live like. Yeah. Thank God uh, you want to say you got to come see it and that urban ministry. We have white members. We have black members. Uh, I have a uh, Hispanic crew. We haven't seen them in a while, but uh, I'm looking for them to come back. I'm looking to pastor the church. that's going to look like heaven. But some of everything that's on the planet is in there, and we deal with each other not based on what we look like. Yeah. We, we're believers. You know,
1: there's this term floating around now, critical race theory. Dangerous.
0: It is so dangerous. I was so glad to see you had a picture of Carol Swain on the wall, her and Candace Owens and Brandon Tatum and a few people that are, are doing things to wake up. You know, Baron, I was born in 61. So I actually lived where we had black and white on the water fountains. Right there where my church is at, if you go to Chelsea and Boxwood, it's Bertha's Beauty Shop now. That used to be Sandy's Carryout. We also called it the Burger Box. We had to go to the side and drink out the water fountains. We had to order our food from the side. You couldn't go to the front. The Hollywood Theater was there then. We had to go to the top of the theater. So I lived in that era. What these people are trying to teach now. First of all, nothing to do with bringing about equality to people. People need to wake up and listen when they're saying equity. They're making a play on words. Equity means that instead of us living like Dr. King said, not be judged by the color of my skin, but the content of my character, they want to do it in reverse. Forget the content of my character. You're going to deal with me based on the color of my skin. And so basically what they've done is they're starting a, a war against heterosexual white males. And they want to teach this to these children are not born racist. Somebody has to teach them that. And what they want to do is put them into our school system and desensitize them to sexual norms and and indoctrinate them to the hatred of white people. Where they want you to apologize for being white. Me and you, we've been knowing other a lot of years. The conversation about, OK, Byron, I got to deal with you because you're white uh, in this way or you got to deal with me because you're black in this way. That never come up between me and you. That's never no, been an issue. No, no, we do. I like Byron because I like Byron. Yeah. Well, Bible like Andre because you like Andre and so yes. critical
1: race theory that's because is, the Jesus in me is loving the Jesus inside it's, it's you
0: that Jesus said this is my mother my brother and my sister we come yes. from different mothers but the same father <laughs> that's right
1: you know, and, and so critical
0: race theory is a, a way to destroy this country destroy the family and destroy the church what can we do about it? pray and live it too many Christians are given lip service and not enough life service the Bible says not I that those that are redeemed of the Lord say so a lot of times, Christians are not speaking up. They don't want to cause any harm. They don't want to cause any trouble. But the truth of the matter is, the truth causes trouble. When you stand on the gospel of God and you say that, my oldest grandchild, uh, she's dealing with a homosexual spirit. She went off to a liberal school, and she was engaged to be married to a young man who was in the military. And when she came back, she told him, no, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm lesbian now. And that hurt me. That hurt me hard. I love my grandchild. She's my oldest granddaughter. I don't have a two granddaughters, actually. But like I told her, I cannot embrace— your lifestyle, just like I would not embrace a friend of mine who was uh, committing adultery on his wife. We wouldn't be hanging together. I'm going to love him. You know, I witness to him. But as far as fellowship with him, I can't do that because I, I don't. That's not my belief. And too many Christians are trying to indoctrinate societal ideals with the church. And that's not right. I mean, you, you, you've you got homosexuals that, that that are pastoring the church now with the, the first gentleman or the woman pastor got the first uh, lady in God's not happy with that, and people are afraid to speak up or, or speak out, and, and politics has invaded it to a point to where, you know, when people ask me, say, well, uh, are, are you a Trumpster or are you conservative? I said, I'm a Christian. I said, they politicians. I don't trust politicians. I'm not a Democrat or Republican. I'm a Christian. Yeah. If it lines up with the word of God, I'm with it. If it doesn't, I'm not. And not enough people are speaking up and standing up, and we don't watch it. Hitler wrote something. He said— If I can win the children of a nation, I've won that nation. They're coming at our children. And if we don't stand up now, they're going to implode upon us a generation of children that are being bred with hatred and a non-love of God. And that's a dangerous place to
1: be. Yes. And it really starts in the home, as you say. Always. Always starts in the home. If the home can be stable, if the home can be committed on God's word and love, the love of Christ, we could see a generation turn. The home is the first church. You know, there's a term they use, the first lady. My
0: wife, Lisa, when people say you're the first lady, she'll tell them, no, I'm Andre's first lady. You don't see first lady anywhere in the Bible. And I explain to the women of the church, every woman that's in this church that's married, you are first lady. You're your husband's first uh, lady. If I teach something from this pulpit that's different than what your husband is teaching you, you do what he says. Now, if he's got it wrong, don't pray about him. You pray for him. But that home is the first church. When you get here, I preach something. It should be a confirmation of your husband from what he's read in the Bible. Right. If, if he hasn't, help him meet the way he reads his Bible and talks to God. But the family is the first church, and we don't get that structure back in place. The building that we go to on Sunday, we're just going through the motion.
1: It doesn't matter, does it? doesn't matter. doesn't matter at all. Your ministry is still located in North Memphis. 1561 Boxwood. Right then, on the, it used to be a dope track. It hadn't been a dope track
0: now in, <laughs> oh, God, nine, ten years. God has transformed it to where we have so much respect. And they were, did I ever tell you about the time when they broke in the church? Yeah, when I first got there, they uh, they broke in. They stole my guitar and my piano. And I was upset because, you know, you can't rob a robber and so I was upset and so uh, we came out there one Sunday and I told all the women y'all stay in the church and pray because I found out that they had took it to this little drug house on the corner down the street from the church and me and all the men in the church we went to that drug house we made a circle around it, and when we prayed they came out I said let them to you I'm not praying about y'all I'm praying for you we're here and we're not going nowhere that church is a place of refuge but when you get tired of doing whatever you're doing that's where you can come in and, and get assistance from God leave that church alone Byron to this day I do not know how they broke back in that church and brought that piano and guitar back. <laughs> but they up. did, and, and since then we we have a burglar alarm, but we don't really need it. I mean, the, that church knows we love them. Yeah, the love of Christ will cross racial lines, and across denominational lines, and across educational lines, and across economic lines, and it'll hit you right there in your
1: heart. Yes, What even if they're not practicing it, they know it's something that they need. Amen. That's why I love being there. Amen. Andre, if somebody wanted to connect with you to find out more about the ministry of the Revelation Christian Center or just to keep up with your ministry. They can go to my webpage at
0: com, or they can email me at andreguy1 at bellsouth.net. My cell number is 901-315-6018. That's 901-315-6018. Just come out at 1561 Boxwood and see in person. You would be shocked to see in person what God is doing in that little urban ministry. We call it the best unkept secret. In the city of Memphis. Best Unkept Secret. Best Unkept Secret because it's there. <laughs> but, but people would know they drive and they wouldn't realize, wait a minute, they got that in there. Best Unkept Secret in the city of <laughs> I Memphis. love
1: it. God bless you, my friend. I mean, bless you. I love you, man. And I, I love you back. And, and it's so neat because we haven't been together, you said 10 years, but it's like we have never. It, it's like not When you came in, I'm asking about, about your son <laughs> and the family. And, and we've always
0: had that connection, even with Todd and, and Bot Radio. And, you know, last time I did that interview on Bot Radio, I got calls from people over the world. You know, that actually got a word of that interview And it did something for my ministry It, it did something for my encouragement Because sometimes this pastoral walks It gets to be lonely Especially if you're standing on the gospel People will pull you into the crowd If you're doing the gospel And then putting some society into it as well But when you follow the crowd I found that you usually get lost in it When you just really just truly stand on the gospel Sometimes it gets to be lonely But if I'm going to have a lonely walk And I'm walking for Jesus Lonely I shall be
1: <laughs> Lonely I shall be Hey brother, we're gonna have to do this on a regular basis. Always open, man. Always. And I'm gonna come see you. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, yeah. you've got to see the work.
0: Has been. It's gonna <laughs> blow your mind. It's gonna- <laughs> And all the men of the church, we did the work ourselves. We come together on the fourth Saturday of every month. Anybody out there, on the fourth Saturday, if you want to come do something for the church, come out there and come work with us. stuff. So we do all the work ourselves. And, and man, we have really good like Taj Mahal in the middle of the ghetto. Oh,
1: I love it. Like they
0: said, is there anything good in Nazareth?
1: Is there anything good in North Memphis? Oh, okay. It's Revelation Christian Center. Yes, <laughs> there. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron. Thank Thank you, man. I love you always. I love you. Friends, we're going to say goodbye. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.